Greetings, giant eggs of planet Houston. This is Ampersand and Sons with Neil Bailey and Julian Finn. How you doing, Julian? I'm fantastic, if a little bit beaten up from my uh, bike ride today in gale force winds. <laughs> Would you like to find the new and better you? <laughs> <laughs> and Neil, Neil, I'm going to quibble right from the outset here. It's planet Houston. It's planet Houston. Yes, that's true. This is true. Yes. Uh, it's, they, um... mis they mispronounce it. <laughs> Why do you say this to me when you know I shall only kill you for it? Um. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, along with the data dump that allowed them to read all Earth languages, apparently, um, they did not get a pronunciation guide. You know, of, of all the, of all the stuff that they riff on from that movie and every other piece of Superman movie, I'm surprised that we've not yet had another Kryptonian that collects patches. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you could do like like Ursa is like this seventeen-year-old punk girl who's rebelling against her parents, and she's got like you know vandals and uh, you know rude boys and yeah. You know. No, don't ever act. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm giving them ideas. Why am I giving them ideas, Julian? <laughs> um. So I don't really have anything for nerd news this week. There was a little bit of uh, kerfuffleness on uh, the Superman homepage over um, a post that one of the admins put up uh, about the new animated series and uh, Jimmy Olsen being black and the age-old question of why not make a new character rather than subverting an existing character came up. That actually led oh. to some fruitful discussion. Yes. Yeah. Right. The uh, well, the, the the whole thing about uh, uh, Jimmy uh, already having been black for six years didn't factor into that with the people uh, being against it or... Uh... Well, so so here's the thing: is Supergirl got dismissed? Supergirl is totally a very different show than Superman and Lois, and one of the ways in which that is the case is social justice, quote unquote, woke messaging mm -hmm. is very front and center, not incidental, but very overt. And on purpose and deliberate to the themes that they explore in the show. And so my guess is, is that the segment of the population that is engaging with that casting question uh, kind of wrote off Supergirl. What? Early you, on. You mean they didn't say that. to themselves, if my ideas are strong enough, they'll survive in the marketplace of ideas without us having to be belligerent? No, no, no. And I mean, there, there, is, there, there is something to be said for the argument that um, just gender flipping a character for the sake of gender flipping a character. Sure. Uh, rather than putting in the work and creating somebody that is new and wholly modern, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, that, that, that's lacking something. Uh, I come down firmly on the side of we're dealing with almost 80 year old characters. Um, at the time, the idea of writing in any sort of racial or sexual diversity into those characters at, at their genesis point would have been unfathomable. Like it just wouldn't have been a thing that would have crossed the minds of anybody writing it. Right. Like, <clears throat> and so we don't live in that world anymore. So taking a character that everybody knows and doing a gender or racial or sexual orientation shift to them to make it more reflective of what we see in the workplace today and in our neighbors today uh, makes sense to me. Like, I don't have an issue with it. 
Well, um, it, it, there is if playing devil's advocate and advocating for something, steel manning my opponent's argument, if you would, you you can absolutely make an argument for like I don't think it's okay to gender flip or I don't think it's it's okay to uh, race flip a character. That argument can be made. The problem is it is so often with the asterisk. It always goes hand in hand with a particular political agenda, such that I don't even actually have to say it out loud, and everybody just knows exactly what I'm saying, and that is. Uh, you know, if I don't have to say that out loud, then it's kind of self-evident. So, um, there, you know, um, aside, that's not... Aside from that... What's that? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go I ahead. was just going to say that, uh, but a respective idea's association with a particular nefarious political affiliation uh, <laughs> doesn't necessarily negate its value. It can still stand on its merits. The problem is you have to have very, very narrow, very exclusive sets of merits to make that work. Like, it's... Um, it's it, it, it's even hard to think of an example if I'm trying and I would have to sit down and think about it before I did it because that is the kind of thought that this kind of uh, question requires. And so it's very easy to then go if someone just goes, I don't like it because it's different, you can kind of point at that and give it the old Halen's razor, that which is... Um, postulated without evidence can be dismissed without evidence, you know? Like, it's clear that these are not folks who are putting a, a whole bunch of thought into an ideological worldview to help create the best incarnation of these characters that are uh, that, uh, for themselves. They're just kind of going, this is different and I don't like it. I mean, there are exceptions, but I would say that's fully 99.99% of them. Yeah, and I mean, there, there are creative arguments we made, and I encountered one of those in that discussion that made me that gave me some pause uh but yeah like aside from that the only thing that really came across my radar nerd comic book wise this week was uh and i haven't watched it yet there's a trailer for season three of titans um which i'm actually moderately excited about i was not a huge fan of the first season but i loved the second season and i loved the doom patrol spin out from it is, is this um, the f batman one it is the F Batman one, yes. <laughs> my friend, my, my when they announced that that trailer and they dropped that absolutely atrocious F Batman trailer, like, well, and if you liked it, good for you, you know. But <laughs> I gotta say um, that apparently no. now with everything. But but like like uh, when they dropped that trailer, you know, my my, my friend made a mock up poster. That <laughs> showed the picture of that Robin. And it was like the dick that Batman needs. You know, it's like, and you're sitting there like, yeah, you know, it's it's. But but I imagine the show is probably a lot more circumspect than that. If you look at the trailers for Superman and Lois and judge it based on that, you are uh, judging a book by its cover. Yeah, and and the show is. If I had to describe it to somebody, it's if Zack Snyder took. The original Teen Titans cartoon, the one with the cheesy, cheesy, uh, <laughs> eminently catchy theme song where they spell out the name of the team. <clears throat> Zack Snydered that in live action, but, but did so along with a newfound superpower to care about plot and character. You would get the, the Teen Titans live action. You're show. telling me that superhero shows exist right now that care about plot and character, Julian Finn? Um, the boys is a fantastic example of that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was sarcasm. That was that was tired, tired yeah. Superman and Lois sarcasm right now because man, I spent too long on that dang review. Five thousand oh, words I that I had it. to write. I, I had to write seventeen thousand words to get those five. 
I didn't I didn't read it, but I disagreed with about 50% of it. <laughs> this is the way. This is uh, like uh, the good thing is like I'm noticing that the tide is kind of turning and, and, and whether or not it's prompted by this podcast or or, or, or me kind of being uh, steadfastly kind to people who are kind of uh, disagreeing with me. Um, the people who are uh, going in there and doing the I didn't read it, but to hell with this guy have kind of lightened up a little bit and they, they people are interacting and we're getting a little bit of that dialogue we spoke of last week. So I'm hoping the word. Yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. I appreciate it. So it is my turn to do the summary. Um, so episode ten was it? Oh yes, oh. ten. Yeah, and you were right yeah. the other week, oh. by the way, about what what podcast number it was. I was completely yeah, yeah. wrong. I just have no you know bearing in space or time. This could be episode season two, tw- episode twenty five. But anyway, go on with the summary. Yeah, yeah, that's because you're old, Neil Bailey. What? Um, so hey? the episode. The epi- the episode title was uh, "Oh Mother, Where Art Thou," <laughs> which uh, which I, I thoroughly dug. "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" I went down to the Krypton and pray. I went down to the Krypton to pray. Holy crap! I am getting old. What's going on with me? Um, so in this episode, the uh, dastardly plot of Morgan Edge is revealed. Um, we <laughs> wind up with a resolution to the. Uh, piano playing teenage drama that we've had over the last two episodes. Uh, we meet Clark's birth mother, kind of, sort of. Um, and the Kryptonian plot is very, very quickly and efficiently dealt with, but not in a way that felt cheap. And I actually uh, found myself enjoying this one much more than the last couple and have some points of disagreement with you, including a point, a plot point that you actually got grievously wrong. Two things. The first thing, yes. this was better than the last two episodes. It just didn't reach the threshold of two for me. I agree. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing is, it wasn't a dastardly plot. It was a bastardly plot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nice. That's right. Well, Dad well jokes done. forever. Well you see that? You see well what done. I did there? Yeah, yeah. It's because, you know, more import- more he's his half-brother. This, this episode produced, for me, so many like i don't understand anything anymore um but let's dive into spoilers and uh and pick this thing apart and as is our tradition um i'm going to tell you what i liked about this episode well yeah yeah go ahead but i'm i'm really curious what the one plot point that i got dead wrong is so we should dovetail into that later or next Uh, yeah yeah. what did you like Well, well well well, I'll do that next. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed, shockingly, despite how out of place and horrific it's been the last two weeks, the drama-free resolution to Sarah and Jordan's uh, conflict over him, like, not being there for her to play piano at her thing, recital, Battle of the Bands, whatever it was. Um, I was shocked. It was lovely. It was... Oh, I feel like a jerk. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Give it a week. Arbitrary drama. Yeah, I like. Well, no, but like, here's the thing: is Sarah has consistently been a character who, when presented with the correct amount of information, does the correct thing. She is like the anti-Smallville Lana. I hope that you are correct. I get the impression that they are going. Well, at least this show has developed a newfound history of just immediately the next week forgetting things when it's convenient to their needs for conflict. I have a feeling that right next week she's still going to be like Jordan, secrets and lies. I think they're actively, slowly but surely, actively developing her into Lana. And like Lana, as if you may recall, was not like 
Lana became in the later seasons. It took no, time. No, but she was a, she was annoying right from the very very beginning. Like yeah. I was always team. Yeah. I was always team Chloe. <laughs> uh, Lana Lana reminded me of uh, there was this there was this thread on Reddit yesterday. Um, title it was in the Ask Reddit forum titled "Fellas of Reddit, How Do You Know If a Woman Is Using You?" Um, and oh, the most common no. the most common reply was. Uh, and over and over and over and over and over again, your problems don't matter at all. And she gets offended for you mentioning them, but she expects you to listen to every single ounce of, of your heartbreak. And that actually goes both ways. It's not just if a guy is using you or a girl yeah. is using you. That's, that's a general human problem. Does. Yeah. Um, and Lana from day one of Smallville embodied that characteristic for me. Yeah. You know, I maybe, um, I don't know. See, I was 20. <laughs> Maybe I was Fair. 21. 21. So, so that was so one like, thing, I probably that was one I... had a healthy element of I forgive Lana because Clark loves her. You know, there was probably a bit that, of that. That was, that was one thing I appreciated. The second thing that I appreciated is... So what is Edge's actual Kryptonian name? They mention it like once. Tal Ro. It... Let me double check my notes here because I do take copious notes as much as people think that I might not. Uh, pulling up the notebook, uh, it's Tal Ro. Yes, T-A-L-R-O is my interpretation of it. So as much as it's weird to make Morgan Edge an established character who has existed in other media, a always Kryptonian who is not General Zod, who was always Talro, who is always Superman's half-brother, as much as that element of it was weird... That whole story allowed his dastardly plot to not be mustache-twirling evil. So his experience on Earth was vastly different than Clark's experience on Earth. And most of what we get revealed of that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And we'll, we'll touch on that later, I'm sure. Um, but his experience was vastly different. He didn't get rescued by the Kents and raised in good old-fashioned pre-Trumpian American Midwest values. Um, and he wasn't fostered by a loving family who treated him as if he wasn't any different from anybody else. He was, you know, grabbed and experimented on and was murdering early and he was old enough when he got sent to Earth after his mother left his family um, to remember Krypton and have real trauma from its destruction. Like, there's a lot in there that makes you go, okay, he wants his people back around him. He doesn't give a fig for humanity because of the way that he was tre treated by them. And he wants to create the home <laughs> that he... No, but like... Oh, no, I was just... It's... It just occurred to me, I, it hadn't, I hadn't made note of the fact that that is inconsistent with the fact that he's creeping on Lana. I just realized that. Yeah, yeah, super, like, none of it makes sense, but I appreciated the fact that he wasn't black and white evil. You know, there there was moral complexity in his motivations. You could empathize a little bit, even though he was hell-bent on genocide. Um, I agree that there's moral complexity. The problem is it's inconsistent moral complexity. It's like his catharsis and his motivation changes from situation to situation as is convenient to the plot. Sure. Not, like, it at wasn't least John Henry is totally consistent. He irrationally yeah. believes Superman is a monster and that never changes. You know? Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's not 
earned in any sense whatsoever based on his past behaviors as a Snidely Whiplash type villain. Like if this, again, it's, it's like what I talked about with you with respect to um, uh, Jupiter's legacy, where none of what happens in the resolution is actually earned by the information that we've been given along the way. Like, I'm talking about the twist at the end of the season, which for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, there's a big twist at the end of the season, and the twist is only a twist because the writers lie to us. <laughs> right? They, they're they like, they're, they're not trying to hide the twist from the other characters. They're trying to hide the twist from the audience, and that's foul play. And that's what happened here with Edge was... Yeah, there's a twist, but the twist only exists because they didn't tell us the truth about who this character was through his actions. Yes, I agree. I right? I, I was not so laughing at your theory. I was laughing because it, 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 the twist that popped into my head was that, uh, you know, it was actually Uranus's le- legacy uh, because I'm five <laughs> in my head. But carry on, carry on. Don't let that interrupt uh, so your train of thought So about. that's two. And the third thing I liked... And this was consistent and did follow. So one of Ben's biggest complaints all the way through this has been that um, Jonathan's been kind of a douche. But Jonathan's douchery has been very consistently on-brand teenager and butts up against a wall of when this conflicts with what I have been raised to believe family means and morals mean, etc., 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 I have the good sense and the moral fortitude to turn around and not be a douche anymore. Yeah. And Jonathan was the voice. Jonathan was consistently out of that. The voice of reason in this episode in a couple of moments that played really well for me. Yeah. And in one critically bad moment, I would argue like like most I, I agree, generally speaking, um, but yeah, there's this bit where they use him as the mouthpiece to shame Sarah a little bit. Um, and it, but the, see, the thing is, I forgive them that because that's how people actually behave to people who are being abused or are in bad or abusive situations. It's hard yeah. for people who are in healthy situations to understand it. They go, well, why don't you just make up with your family? Or why don't you just, you know, like uh, show a little sympathy and compassion as if, the, you know, like sympathy and compassion solves chemical addiction, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, but, so that, my, that rang real. My, my one, like my lament for this series is not the same as your lament for this series because I knew what they were promising us at the beginning was never going to come to fruition because I've watched every other CW show. And frankly, out of the Arrowverse shows, if this in fact lives in that universe, which I no longer believe that it does, I I think this is an alternate Earth version of these characters and not a post-crisis version of these characters on the same Earth inhabited by Supergirl. Um, Otherwise, it's unforgivable that Supergirl was not there for this conflict. (laughs) Um... Out of all the Arrowverse shows, which all suffer from the same plot, 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 all like no breaks plot all the time storytelling, which is enjoyable when you understand that that's what they're doing. Out of all of them, this is still the most mature. Um, and, And I don't mean that in a ratings content sort of way. I mean it in a... It's still... <laughs> that's the Batman show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's Titans. It, it's still uh, 
much more grown up while also embracing the fact that it's a comic book show. It's not shying away from the fact that it's a comic book show like Smallville did. It's, it's just as hard in that playpen as Flash or Supergirl or Legends of Tomorrow is. Um, but it's very much aimed at adults in a way that the other ones are not. And I still appreciate that, even though it's fallen into the plot, 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 plot all the time. Chasm, my lament is still that they chose to go big and epic this season. They didn't need to. They'd set up a show at the beginning of the season that could have just dealt with a, in a much more slower, methodical way. It would have, like it would have been fine if John Henry Irons was the A story of the season. And it took time to get there. And Edge was just regular old Morgan Edge. We didn't need this for it to be quality TV. I like all of the epic stuff that the show has shown thus far, visually. Like, if I watched yes. it out of context, if you showed me this particular scene with all of the super people rushing at Superman in the light, which is kind of like a, a ripped shot from... Uh, the Force Awakens with the approaching ties, which is which was oh, also that, a ripped shot that, from by the way, else. Yeah, that by the way is where your plot po- or your plot failure is. Oh well, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, you know the, the epic stuff is epic when you're looking. Like if you look at it out of context, that scene is one of the best, most chilling, wonderful. Oh my God, an entire army of super beings is coming for Superman moments in Superman history. Right. The yes, problem yes. is like it's um. It's like having this really beautiful cake that's been made by a master cake maker with wonderful frosting. And then the minute you stick your knife in there, you realize it's like it's made of uh, dirt with earthworms in it. You know, you're like, oh, well, uh, they had good intentions and it looks like a cake, but it doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. You know, uh, yeah. hit me with hit me, though. Hit me with the plot thing. What, what, what was I so, okay. so incredibly wrong about? So, so you, and it, was, it wasn't it was a central criticism. It was just one of your pile-on criticisms in the review that I totally didn't read, but agreed with half of. <laughs> um, but it was after the big thing happened, Sam Lane has said to Superman, um, you can't do the thing with your heat vision and, and like expend all of your energy. The solar flare. Destroy the yeah, they, they heat, declare the it the flare. solar flare, yeah. And it's going to knock you out for several days. I can't allow you to do that. And then you criticize them for immediately showing him flying to the fortress afterwards. Yes. And you are so wrong, Neil Bailey. Because what you are. Because what that that follow through, what that logic depends on is Superman articulating that plan and Sam Lane giving that response knowing that he will be met in the air by 40 some odd super beings <laughs> that will also heat vision at the same time the eradicator along with him thus sparing him from expending all of his energy to do the thing because now there's him plus 40 other people heat visioning the eradicator well it's it suffers from many many things first off is it 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 sets the expectation this show has set the expectation that if a hero declares it or if somebody declares it that's what's happening and that that is what has happened after it's over so but but there's yes. a there's a deeper complexity here so i have to operate on two false assumptions in order to make any assumptions about that scene in general the first one is that he does the solar flare which 
I've only seen like screen caps of what they did in the comics because I wasn't reading at that time. But my understanding is it's that Superman lets out a big expenditure of energy, which makes like a kinetic blast that knocks everything around in an area that's like a bomb, right? Which yes. is not what we saw on the screen. And then we have this scene where they're flying in the air doing the laser light show, shooting the egg. And I can't believe I'm saying that out loud and not cackling madly like a hen. But yeah. <laughs> oh, there it went. All right. But anyway, so so there's this scene like where very clearly they were like, it would be much cooler to have Superman in the sky fighting these people and hitting it with heat vision. So, yes, if that's the solar flare, him using heat vision on an egg... Your logic follows, right? Because then they come up there and they all blast it with heat vision and that diminishes the amount that Superman uses, right? Um, the yes. problem there is they said they were doing the solar flare and then they act like he's used the solar flare because then he crashes in near the fortress and he's completely out of energy, right? Um, so if it switched to heat vision, if he called an audible and changed the plan because Sarah was there on the ground, well, then it's not the solar flare. He shouldn't be tired. If it is the solar flare, then he should be tired. Um... And the the thing is, this the show in its construction of the scene was so incoherent that it's impossible to make a good judgment, which I suppose is the broader point. But I think what happened, and I, I don't know because I have no inside knowledge of the production, um, and I'm sure they're going to invite me to the writing room soon to talk to them so that they can explain <laughs> some of their thinking processes. I'm sure that'll happen next week. But... Um, uh, it, it seems from the outset that what they did was they were like, well, we're going to have Superman do the solar flare because it's this power that people know from the comics and it's cool. And then either budget or they changed their mind or they're like, it'd be cooler to do laser light show in the sky. So they just went with that. And that's what happened. And that's why you have all those people on the ground from the solar flare that would have happened. But they were actually in the sky. And then they don't do the the Krypton falling from 1977 Superman. The Aah! Which, you know, would have been a compelling image. And then Superman's like, uh-oh. No, but, but <laughs> I shouldn't have shot that egg. Thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so I told you this story before we, we got in the podcast. But I'll reiterate it again because it's an exemplar of what I'm going to say to you. And shame on you, Neil Bailey, for, for, <laughs> not, for not just letting the show tell the story it wants to tell rather than holding it accountable to what the characters say. <laughs> That's um, my anus's legacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this morning, I left my house, and I got on my yellow hybrid bike. Um, and I had just outfitted my yellow hybrid bike with a tail rack and bags. And I got a couple kilometers away from the house before I discovered that the shape of my bike and the way that the tail rack worked meant that it was impossible for me to ride any distance without the bags getting tangled in the tires. And so I had to turn around and go home. And I had a choice that I could make. Now, I already intended and announced my intention to ride that bike to work because my other bike is not safe for long commutes yet. I have some work I have to do on it. Um, and I could have gotten, gone home and switched everything out of my bag into a different bag and gotten back on my yellow bike and gone, but that would have taken too long. So I completely changed my plan and threw my tail bags on my unsafe bike and rode that to work instead. Now, that doesn't mean that I was inconsistent. The situation changed and I adapted to that change. 
They said that they needed a power source that was equivalent to that of the Earth's sun. Clark felt that he could replicate that by himself with the solar flare, and that was the only way to do it, and did not anticipate that mid-flight to accomplish said thing, he would run into 40 other Kryptonian-powered beings that would be zapping him with laser eyes simultaneously. And he took advantage of the change in the situation, because now they had a big enough power source to do it without the solar flare. So you're telling me that this show, which for five minutes at the beginning of every episode... Lays out the plan in depth for the people in the audience who aren't going to get it, uh, and and walks us through literally every character motivation and every plot that goes on. Just like had a visual audible that they called that we were supposed to figure out on our own. I figured it out. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that um, you may be uh, a Kryptonian uh, transplant, and uh, <laughs> I, I think that <laughs> I think you are only calling yourself Julian Finn because you know that tomorrow to get to work on this bicycle, you're going to have to put aerodynamical stripes on both your helmet and the back of the bike, and they'll be like, "Yeah, that's definitely a Julian Finn," um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think you're right. <laughs> no, and, and that's and that's fair in the in the words of the immortal jack black and high fidelity you're allowed your opinion even if it's wrong no. well the, um, so so i actually i think i think i'll revise this show doesn't make me care whether you're right or i'm right right now like like i'm sitting there like like do i really want to sit here and parse out the uh the a to b to c of how and why Superman came to be using his laser eyes on a giant egg, uh, <laughs> a giant <laughs> the magical egg. Call it, call it, call it by its proper name. Well, it was the, oh, the eradicator. Yeah, it was supposed to be of. the eradicator, yeah. even though the eradicator was an MRI machine. And I see they let's back step back a little bit. Like, like you're you're Morgan Edge or Talro, I suppose, right? And you're eight years old, and or you're sixteen years old, and you got the bright burn going on. You know, it's not bright burn for legal reasons, but you're bright burn, and uh, <laughs> you know you're walking around. You hate the world, and you go to yourself. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! I call foul. I call foul. The Brightburn kid was inherently evil. Nothing says to us that Talro would have uh, been inherently evil had I don't know. he not received the treatment that he got. I haven't seen Brightburn because I have absolutely no interest in that kind of story. But I'm just going by the good. like the like the visual of um of what they show of him, like the the angry teenager with red eyes, ready to kill all the adults because Superman yeah. going homicidal is cool, right? Um. Or yeah. whatever's going through their heads, who knows? And it's probably, you know, heat vision. But, um... <laughs> so, yeah, like, he's 17 years old, and he goes to himself, well, I hate everybody, and I hate everything. Or, you know, like, like I have motivation to hate everybody and everything, so how am I going to take care of that? Well, I'm going to go into business school and slowly but surely buy newspapers. Um, <laughs> and But, see, even that, you know, like, whatever, whatever. But, like, where in between here and there does he get the knowledge to enact this plot and where does he get the mri machine that's the eradicator and why when they capture this mri machine does it then turn into an egg and if it can be an egg why isn't he just using the egg why isn't he using an mri machine like if he has well, access to egg, this information of how it know, works the egg is like the hard drive and the mri machine is like the case okay sure but why does why like if you don't need the case, as Superman proves when he does his solar flare or his 
heat vision or whatever it is. <laughs> His <laughs> the egg the, the legacy of Uranus. Um, <laughs> you know, like whatever he does to that egg. <laughs> wow, that. You know, there could be a... Anyway, all right, I'm not going to make the joke. See the jokes that I almost made that I could have made that I can't because this is supposed to be technically family-friendly? Um, yeah, anyway, we should yeah. change the subject to Batman and Catwoman. Uh, no. <laughs> but what I'm yeah, driving I didn't, at... I didn't touch on that nerd news. It's like uh, uh, anything anything that you look at here, it, it, it's, uh, it's like Medusa's stare. It kind of turns to stone and cracks and crumbles, and you're like, well, that was once a thing, and now it's not anymore. Um, and yeah, okay, you can, and we're, you can, and we're gonna. Go ahead. We're going to get to all of that because I have a format for the back half of this that I think will be entertaining. Okay. Um, but I want to know what you liked about this episode, Neil Bailey. I liked the visuals of both scenes. The, 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 ay, 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 you know, those scenes, both of the yeah. ones where um, Superman and Talro face off and it's shown that one is the dark dreary kryptonian rock face and the other one is visually the lush green prairies of kansas representing that when superman yeah. is being aggressive it's it's you know americana when edge is being aggressive it's the cold hard dark of corporate america you know um and and that visually worked for me very well completely removed from context as did the attacks of the kryptonians um i really I still like Sarah. I think that she's just this sincere character dropped into the situation where they're clearly framing it up so that she's going to be um, the 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 dysfunctional kid whose parents came around, um, and that insults me personally. Um, but <laughs> but I still love her character, and I love the way that the actress is portraying her. Um, I very much like. Um, the that even though out of context edge is being um irrational and his character makes no sense the portrayal by the actor is really great it's it's very menacing yeah. and and you believe that he can speak very silently and then be like this with everybody of course i went cockney there but like like the accent we've discussed you know like there's something weird about the i can't do it because <laughs> i can't do you yeah, know like yeah. oh, i can do the chimney sweep but i can't do the rich man governor because i've never been around rich people <laughs> even british rich people <laughs> you know like, i love i love that your version of a cockney accent is the um dick van dyke version of a cockney accent which is widely regarded <laughs> by every british person i've ever talked to as the worst impression well, hey now man listen here man i'm, I'm you know i'm a canadian all right i don't know about these things i, I I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm what you call i'm what you call a a settler they call me a settler <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't know why in the in the Great White North they call it a settler. Probably because the, uh, there are many many people in the Great White population that play settlers of Catan. But um, <laughs> hey, put your Julian fit on your you bike. Like? I'm completely incoherent at this point. I just this episode has broken me. I'm clearly transplanted my personality. With someone who who has written, uh, you know, seventeen thousand words and broken their brains, but where were we? Yeah, yeah. What what else do you like? What else did you like? Is there anything? <laughs> I like them lifted trucks and I like beer. Oh, uh, no, in in Superman and Lois. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Is there anything else I like in that episode? You know what I like? There's something. There's something that you should have enjoyed, minus one weird off-putting moment. What's that? 
was Lana's portrayal of Lara was actually sweet and touching and nice and well-written, except for the line, what is it like to be with my son? Outside of the entire, entire, um, oh, it's not, it wouldn't be a Oedipal. It would be, uh, uh, would it be? I don't know. I, I can't even. I don't even care. Um, you know, that it was okay. You know, it was very clearly like we want to give the actress playing Lana something with some meat. Uh, it didn't, it yeah. just like I was sitting there. This is so weird in my head. I'm like, this is so weird that I couldn't really focus that well on this scene. I was like, what is it? Why did they put Superman's mom in Lana? What are they doing here? What is the egg? What is going on here? You know, that's what's going through yeah. my head. And, I'm, and even yeah. though I'm pausing yeah. every five seconds to take a note, like I, I kind of sit there and I'm like, I, I'm like that bit in, in, in Letter Kitty. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, but okay, all right, but. Okay, but you know, like that's that's what's going through my head. Not like, is this actress doing a great job portraying Superman's mom? Because that's not Superman's mom. That's his ex girlfriend. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like that's okay, the weird so... thing. But, but thing that I like, I have another thing that I like. You ready for okay. this? It's this is this is I like am. this is not going to be the thing that I like in the way that you hope that it's the thing that I like. I like that <laughs> this is the watermark episode. Where they did something that was so chaotically strange and bad that the people who are watching it um, uncritically actually sat up and went, Hey, wait a minute! Something stinks in Denmark! And they went, <laughs> and like there are people who are like, Maybe Neil's not just being critical for the sake of being critical! And they started seeing some of the things that I was seeing, and they went, you know, they didn't go, Well, hell, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on him for the last six episodes! They go, well, you know, I see something now, so this is right. Um, but fine, <laughs> but fine. I like that. I like the fact that I don't get to be gaslit and feel crazy for being um, more attentive in my viewing anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 small stuff. What was that moment? Uh, which, oh, the moment in the episode? Well, people seem to be criticizing yeah. the giant egg in the sky. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, they seem to be criticizing <laughs> putting Superman's mom in his, in his ex-girlfriend so that she could talk to his wife. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. me say that again. Maybe the part where... <laughs> where they put Superman's mom in his ex-girlfriend so that he could t she could talk to his wife. <laughs> in a heroic moment with a slow motion walk to do so um <laughs> there were those two things yeah. uh and there was, was the, there was the the fallout of the fact that morgan edge has been presented as lex luthor and they just turned him into general zod with absolutely no breaks before the curve you know like it was they didn't even do the batman thing where they shoot the grapple hook and it's like <laughs> And then it hits the lamp pole, and then it helps the turn. They just straight up <laughs> skidded through that thing, and it was like it was like Kryptonian drift, you know? It was like <laughs> they're like, <"Arr!"> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So those All things. Right, that's, is that is that everything that you liked? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And actually, that's that's right. you know, I was I was thinking when I first started watching this show, like, man, this is this is pretty epic so far at the start here. If they actually make a coherent plot, all they have to do is go from A to B to C, and this is at least a three already, you know? Yeah. Um, but they didn't. Why would they? Fair. Okay, so that leads me to what we're going to do for the rest of this episode. All right. Which is, I, I have so many questions that were generated by this episode. <laughs> My assumptions have been shaken to their core, and I need your help, Neil Bailey, to help me solve 
the the mysteries that have been created by this episode. All so right, you came for me to ask my questions. I am, and in to be, no particular order. To be able to answer the questions better, I will I will call upon the spirit of your mother, and I will let her inhabit my body. <laughs> and I sincerely hope your mother is not dead and is healthy somewhere, because then I will feel really terrible if that's not the case. But that was still a good joke, Julian Finn. Yeah, yeah, she is currently alive. Oh, thank you. Disturbed by that image. I am yeah. glad. Okay. Yes. No, so I, I so won't actually mo- talk mother- in her voice though. My mother is now in you, and that's weird. Um, okay. Do I have her so egg? In, um. in, no, in no particular order. Sure, go. Question one. All right. Why do all of the Kryptonian-possessed people speak with the Gua'uld voices from Stargate? Do the writers of this show not know how vocal cords work, and that being possessed by a different consciousness would not actually change the timbre and echo effects of your voice. Well, Julian Finn, I think it's because it conveys arbitrary menace where character work has not been put in, and they have to, therefore, use crutches. Narrative crutches. But they even did it with Lara, where there is no menace. It's just this weird, like, robotic voice thing. Yes, but she was sweet and loving and very, just slightly... All they did was they slightly tweaked the audio there. Like, they didn't go... This is full on Vader L. You know, like they didn't they didn't go to the like they, they kept the, the filter a little lighter on this one for her. Not with Kyle. No, Kyle, not with Kyle. Like... Yeah, no, but then again, Kyle is just like, yo, y'all, I'm gonna come in there and get some Kryptonian booty. He's you know, like like Kyle Kyle sounded like he was one lozenge away from being Christian Bale's Batman. Like I didn't understand Kyle, what was happening. Kyle, Kyle was two natty lights from kissing the bride at the wrong wedding. That's what Kyle was. Yeah, Kyle was like yeah. Kyle was like every redneck stereotype turned into a kryptonian he was like, yeah it was just it was very strange he was kryptonian okay, so question, kryptonian mud bogging it um question two that that was a softball okay. question two how exactly do the people on this show who are given powers get their powers and i'm gonna frame this so you understand what i'm asking so they made it extremely apparent with tag who does not have a Kryptonian consciousness in him, that exposure to ex-Kryptonite gives human beings Kryptonian powers, correct? Uh, yes. Tag is never shoved inside the Eradicator. I think they imply that it was Jordan shooting the fire that, 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 that triggered his latent abilities, which, you know, like, doesn't make sense unless there is an Eradicator egg in that fire, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't but, make sense. But, but, but the general impression I've gotten is that the powers are the effect of this particular variant of kryptonite, which would be in keeping with the long and storied history of the 85 different flavors of kryptonite that exists in the Superman universe that all do a different thing. Spumoni K. Almost always exclusively to kryptonians, but in this case to humans. Yeah. Okay, so... If that's the case, then why does Lara, while she's explaining how all of this works, indicate that if they destroy the egg, thus returning the consciousness to the Eradicator, the Kryptonian powers will go with them? That doesn't necessarily make sense. But then then again, we don't actually, you know, this is speaking of Lara... Like, this is something that was pointed out to me in Facebook by by a, a cool reader who disagreed with me but was nice, you know? Like, bless her heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
There is nothing that I saw or nothing that anyone indicates in the show that explains how they got Lara's consciousness because it would be in Morgan's Edge's possession if it even existed and it shouldn't exist because Tortorell's or whatever's dad didn't like her. No, they expl- that part is true, but they do explain it. All of the consciousnesses uh-huh. are in the Eradicator pod. All of them. Like, all and of the survivors. Can't... So why would he save Lara, though? Because he saved as many as he possibly could. Oh, okay. So we could have the Jor-El intention in was... we Well, okay, and that leads to a different question, which we'll get to in a second. Right. Um, but you're right, yes, the powers don't make any sense. If the egg hits them, they would not have the power anymore. They would fall to their death. Yeah, it's it's incoherent, and they didn't right. think about so, it. Right, so, like, if they, they didn't fall to their death, then, ergo, the ex-Kryptonite gave them their powers, and there's, like, 40-some-odd Smallville residents that all have the powers of Superman, but... Or, or... They're probably going to do the same thing they did at the beginning of the episode, and instead of explaining it or trying to explain it, they'll be like... Edge escaped somehow. They'll be like, they survived somehow. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, like, if... It, well, you know... I was just about to say... Like, I no, they'll have Superman I, be like, I, I caught them all before I went to the fortress next, you know, next episode. Because they actually made some passing effort to be like, well, we better right. call Lana. Which they didn't do at the end of last episode. Um, this, one, this one bothers me because, like, most of the inconsistencies in this show have derived from them just not thinking about it. But this is a major, major element of the story that you're telling. <laughs> How do you just not think about it? Like, well, I don't I don't understand they, the the physics of how this works. They are in Smallville. So what happened was yes. this is what happened, Julian. They were up there and they saw <laughs> Superman hitting the egg and they're like Oh no, you know, and so they started firing at Superman and inadvertently hitting the egg and they couldn't stop shooting the egg and helping Superman because that would make sense, right? So what happened was the egg explodes and they're like, oh no, we don't have power. So what they did was they all reached into their back pocket and if there's one thing that Morgan Edge is good at, it's corporate sponsorship. So he has gotten many corporate sponsorships for his evil Kryptonians. And so, you know, they have a deal with Stride Gum. And what they've done is they've given each, like a suicide <laughs> pill, but not a suicide pill. They've given them each a packet of uh, X Kryptonite brand Stride Gum. And they just stuck it in their mouth and they chewed it, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, and like they could feel the, the evil spirits leaving their bodies. And they're like, oh, yeah, I must chew the gum to save Krypton. And then they started slowly falling to the ground. And then they landed and all they got were cuts and bruises. I would argue with that, but it's at least as fair as my explanation for the solar flare thing, so I'm going to let that go. <laughs> okay, next next question. Hit me. Why, 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 why does kryptonite affect Kyle? Why does kryptonite so, affect Kyle? So, so here's, here's the framing for this one. So either their powers are derived from having a Kryptonian consciousness stuffed in their brain, which um, Lara describes as being like having software installed on a computer. But if I install a piece of software in my Windows operating system, my Windows operating system gains the ability to run that software it doesn't become Mac OS. Okay, well, so I have a solution for this, so, too. So a, so a human being would not become a Kryptonian biologically 
by virtue of having these powers or having this consciousness. So why would kryptonite affect him at all? Like at all at all? Absolutely correct uh, and absolutely wrong. But the, so, so (laughs) you know, I like this segment because I love actually trying to explain away this plot that doesn't make any sense for the writers who have clearly put no thought into it. So we should continue doing this. But here is your explanation. This is why the kryptonite works, even though it's incoherent as laid out in the plot. So that's not kryptonite, Julian. That is creme de menthe. And if you've ever been around a redneck drinking party, um, there is always some drink that is your, your, your kryptonite, if you will. Like, for me, I once had some Pancho Villa tequila, and so now anytime anyone offers me tequila, I say Pancho Villa is a bad man, and I start walking backwards. Well, Kyle, in his early 20s, was trying to impress Lana, even though Lana didn't want to give him the time of day. So he just drank two full bottles of that dark puke green creme de menthe, right? So what happened was, when he started choking these two ladies, he was this Kryptonian, but it was like that scene in, in shows when like people are brainwashed, when they, they say, but I love you, and they go, oh, I remember, I love her. But Except for it was worse. It was like the reverse of that. It was like, oh, I remember, I hate creme de menthe. That's the thing that made me puke my brains out. And, 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 and so he saw that green gem, and instinctively he was like, oh no, I'm powerless now. And then he let go long enough for all of the soldiers to burst in, and then he started getting nauseous, and he was like, I really better get to a bathroom, and the only place the bathroom is nearby is this cell. I'm now five IQ points dumber for having heard that explanation, but it did lead to a follow-up question, which is, how does Kryptonite work on this show? And a follow-up to that follow-up, why is it that nobody who's written Superman live-action stuff for like the last two decades has understood or applied a consistent effect to kryptonite because they have not applied a consistent effect to an ongoing overarching plot where they define the characteristics (laughs) of the characters and their foibles and stuck with it but kyle goes under like in his kryptonite cage that reminded me of the electrified cage that they stuck uh bart in in (laughs) the episode of smallville where lex Luthor captures him i went cat's eye when Uh, you said that but the same thing (laughs) Um, and he looked like Stephen Amell um, <laughs> while he was in the cage. It was very like, Mission Impossible. You know, I expected him to go, Yes, yeah. yes, Tom Cruise, I am here to to, to torture you. I know everything. <laughs> you know, like yeah, and, and, and on that note, this episode clearly showed that Sam Lane is pro-torture. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, like, okay. where, did, where, did the, where did the kryptonite cage so, come from? Why does Kyle... Why does Kyle alternately go from too weak to stand to having enough energy to almost punch his way out of that cage? We don't actually know that because it's a soundproof cage. What it could have been doing is like he could have turned on the green light and it could have played a jingle from the creme de menthe brand that that, that Kyle hates the most. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily it wasn't necessarily uh, torture. It was aversion therapy. <laughs> He's just trying to get him to change his his. Um, his uh, behavior, and we don't know. They could have been flashing lights on the right side of the screen and the left side of the screen. It was just off camera, and they were doing some, you know, some of that. Uh, what do they call it? EMDR. That's what it was. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. <laughs> so next question is okay. So historically, I'm asking this question for a reason because this one felt like an actual clever fake out, or it could just be stupid. Um, Survey I can't says. Tell with this show, <laughs> I, I can't tell with this show anymore. So historically. Jor-El in the Fortress of Solitude has been an AI. Yeah. Correct? Like, he's been a computer with 
the personality and appearance of Jor-El, but it's a computer and... And a crystal paper mache face to, at one point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he has access to all the knowledge of Krypton traditionally. And it seemed like they were playing Jor-El that way on this show because <laughs> he was robotic and cold and menacing every time we've met him. Until in this episode, he utters the phrase, I don't understand how that science works when talking about... <laughs> Lara's invention of the Eradicator, which made me realize that he couldn't possibly be an AI with all the knowledge of Krypton because that would be some of the knowledge of Krypton. Oh, no, and and then it be and then it became apparent that and this is a two part question. It became apparent that he might just be a Kryptonian consciousness like all the ones that are stored in the Eradicator. So one, which is he? Is he an AI as he has traditionally been, or is that actually Jor-El's brain stuffed in a hologram? Because that would be so much worse from an eternal existence perspective. <laughs> and two, two, if that is in fact Jor-El's consciousness and not an AI, then presumably there is technology in the fortress that can manifest Kryptonian consciousnesses as holograms, why did they have to shove Lara into Superman's ex-girlfriend's body? Why didn't he just take her to the fortress and plug her in? Well, it all started in uh, 2014 in middle America. <laughs> um, you know, like a couple of states <laughs> off of Kansas. There were some kids. They were uh, members of the Insane Clown Posse. They really, really like Fago. And the problem is that they're they're cripplingly diabetic. And so what they did was they drank enough Fago to get... Uh, to get uh, Sugar blotto, if you will. And what they did was they started staggering across state lines and committing crimes, and somehow they wound up uh, on the North Pole looking for Santa. You know, they wanted to, you know, get those presents. And uh, they accidentally walked into the Fortress of Solitude, right? So then they, they've got Jor-El sitting there, and, they're, they're, like, he starts speaking to them, because he is an AI. That's that's clear, right? So so he's yeah. like asking them questions. Like, what do you want, Kalel? And they're like, ah! And they just pour Fago on the counselor, uh, on 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 the counselor, on the uh, on the counter, and it you know shorts things a little bit, like not much. You know, he's he's an advanced AI. He can fix some of this stuff. But um, what happens is, like, he's got now Jor-El in the back of his mind insane clown posse songs just going like like earworms, you know? They're, like, insidious. So it doesn't make him evil, but it, it makes him a little dumber. So every now and again, he'll just glitch. And so when, when Superman came to him and it's like, how does this MRI work? His brain is, like, going, effing magnets, how do they work? Effing magnets, how do they work? And so he glitches. And he pretends like he doesn't know, or maybe he actually doesn't know, but it's some kind of flaw in the property um, of his program. And uh, anyway, what happened is, uh, after that, uh, he realized that the Insane Clown Posse was terrible and that all he was doing was servicing the plot, and he decided to stop that behavior forevermore. <laughs> hey, so Julian! It, so hey, Julian! So it, it was... It was... <laughs> It was Superman's mom in his ex-girlfriend talking to his wife. <laughs> Asking, what is it like to be with my son? Which I, I don't know how that passed any scrutiny. About, okay. about the right. properties of an egg. <laughs> I have I have two more questions. Okay. And then if Milo is still awake, we should bring him in. <laughs> yes, he is. He is good. Okay. So, question one. What, what, sorry, and this isn't question one, this is a preamble to question one, because I can never remember the answer to the question. What is the Kryptonian, it's Leslie Lar, right? Is, yes, is Leslie Lar, that's yeah. right. 
Why is Leslie Lar still Leslie Lar at the end of this episode? Hmm. Well, I how is how is Le- how is Leslie Lar still Leslie Lar at the end of this episode? Like, should she not being a integrated Kryptonian consciousness? Like, the only answer that makes any sense to me goes back to Lara's long-winded explanation of. Uh, how the process of like body snatching works is once they've fully integrated, then they can't be separated. That consciousness just inhabits that body, and Leslie Lara feels like she's probably the first one that this was done to, so she's probably fully integrated. Would that make sense? Uh, I think that the 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 simple explanation for this one is that she was not in the area. Because reasons, which the show is short on for this. I note that in the review that she should actually be there beating the bejesus out of Superman and participating, but she just isn't because Edge, I guess, likes her or treats her as the second-hand lieutenant kind of person. Or the right-hand lieutenant. Um, There's nothing pithy or funny about that because it's just terrible storytelling. Uh, So there's not much to spin there, sadly. No insane clown posse, no... um all right, all right, fair. Yeah. And my last question, and this is the most important one of the night. Okay. And it ruined a moment for me that was otherwise wonderful, and it's why I didn't include it in my list of things that I actually enjoyed a lot in this episode, because this was so egregious to me that I just couldn't get past it enough to appreciate the scene. But there is a moment that starts out wonderful. When Lana sees Superman, (laughs) that is always absent from these shows, cartoons, comic books, everything, where somebody sees Superman 10 feet away for the first time and freaks out. (laughs) That should happen. That should happen routinely. This is a person that looks like everybody else that can fly, shoot lasers out of his eyes and chuck mountains. He's functionally a god from the perspective of everybody else around, and he seems to be a benevolent one. You'd think that that reaction would happen more often. So I was like, this is amazing. It's cool that this is happening and seeing. But do you know what ruined that whole moment? Do you know what my question is going to be, Neil Bailey? I do not. Hit me with it. How is it possible that Lana Lang, standing one inch away from Clark Kent in a Superman costume, didn't recognize that it was Clark Kent in a Superman costume? (laughs) I have the answer to this one, Julian. But it's not as funny. It's kind of tragic. Lana Lang cannot see that she is utterly failing her family by not detaching from an alcoholic completely moronic, self-destructive moron of a husband. And we've discussed before how in dysfunctional relationships, there's usually a primary aggressor, but I've come to believe with time and wisdom that the person who stands idly by is almost or perhaps worse. And so it is very plausible that someone that cannot see why their own daughter is suicidal when their husband is that abusive and awful Uh, when their daughter was kidnapped and they don't seem to notice it several weeks later, how a person like that could be completely oblivious as to Clark Kent being Superman. I am surprised that that Lana remembers her name. 
Um, I am surprised that uh, <laughs> Lana Lang <laughs> can figure out how magnets work. But true to these shows no, and their was... formula, she is, of course, then promoted to an executive and given the job of overseeing people. Of course, of course. But but this is so egregious. Like, this is as egregious as if Sarah tried a new brand of makeup. Yes. And suddenly she couldn't recognize her. It was really obvious and i was thinking the exact same thing i didn't mention it because as much as i go over every little trifling detail and i consider that's my job that to be my job one of the things that i actually just kind of uh let go in the superman mythos is the fact that you know like people can't tell that superman is clark even though it's patently obvious um you no, know? but at least at least with chris reeve they made an effort to explain it by showing that moment where he does the transformation and you kind of buy it for a second yeah the closest they got to that in this scene is clark talked deeper <laughs> well there isn't yeah this show because it hasn't had to um necessarily because superman is almost never around has not really developed a very active this is superman versus this is clark in terms of the way they carry themselves like no yes lois it is me superman versus uh hey lois uh, um we need to talk about that uh byline i really think that i should get credit given that i wrote 497 out of the 500 words uh yeah yeah clark fresh squeeze orange juice you know like uh. like there's no difference there <laughs> um but you know also I think that it has something to do with the fact that, um, you know, he is wearing these bold primary colors and Clark just kind of <laughs> wears nothing like that. That could be distracting. Well, you know, like, okay, so I, I am as, uh, as straight as a board, you know, like uh, I am I am like whatever the 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 super straight Kinsey thing is. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, just... and yet I couldn't like I was I was sitting there and and my eyes just kept getting drawn to those abs and I was like thinking maybe I should kiss dudes maybe I should kiss some dudes. Um, so I mean like I get it like maybe she's not looking at his face like he's he's pretty pumped there he's like like and and when you know like Clark's wearing like his t shirt uh, you know like he might get a butt look you know like dudes like uh, you know wearing the uh... it just it just it felt like such a wasted opportunity like, that would have been such a... No, it would have been such a nice beat to have the Superman and Lois equivalent of uh, Lois's kid in Superman Returns, <laughs> looking at Clark, looking at the picture, looking at Clark, looking at the picture, and having an asthma attack when he puts it together. They could have, um, they could have done like the the signs moment. You know what they could have done is they could have had Superman being uh, like like sitting there and like she starts getting it and he's like, oh no, and then you know he's like, uh, excuse me, I've got to use the super restroom, and then he goes off for a minute, and then you go, oh, it's behind, you know, and then you see Clark like walking through the alley and she sees it and she's like, Clark. And then Superman's like right back behind her. Hey, how you doing, Lana? I'm much better now. Shouldn't have eaten that much fiber. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Fair. Okay, well, that exhausts my questions that were generated by this episode. That was Thank fun. Thank you for providing we should keep doing no that. cogent answers. We should keep doing That's that. That's a good one. I like um, that. All right, so no Ben this week. He's going to answer to both episodes next week. Let's bring Milo. All right, well, we better call this young man Milo. He had some dentistry done today. He had a tooth pulled. Oh, so he may. Uh, oh, he. he uh, but he's fine. You know, like he's doing. He's a trooper. So, what's that, son? 
Okay, yeah, he's taking just a minute, you know, like, uh... How is your, how is your first real Canadian, uh, medical experience? Oh, so get this, this, this might be good to talk about on the podcast briefly. Hey, boy, um, so, so get this, like, in America, we had, uh, we had two teeth pulled, and we were fully insured, and it cost, uh, probably about $900. Here in Canada, we don't have insurance, because we're still waiting for our dental insurance, because, uh, the, the, the job just came, um, and, uh, we're still waiting, and so uninsured, we walked into a dentist, and we got uh, we got a tooth pulled and all of the the numbing agents and everything involved with the procedure for uh, three hundred and five dollars Canadian, which is approximately two hundred and forty U.S. dollars. Now, in it, it, I had to admittedly walk over the bodies in this socialist hellscape to get to that dentist chair, and I heard the moanings of the dying and the dead. Uh, but but generally <laughs> speaking, like they cut the price down pretty good. No, I like I I was sitting there. I was like, like I walked up and I was like. Is that is that really what it's going to cost? And later, was yeah, yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, that's that's not a joke. There's not a bill later. And she's like, no, <laughs> no. And and I'm and I'm like, and like really? And she's like, usually people get mad. They're like, that's a high number. Like two hundred and forty dollars for a tooth extraction is is a difficult number. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so you know, our, uh, you're pro- you're laughing because you're like, yeah, two hundred and forty, unreasonable, I'm sure. But everyone in America who has had a tooth extracted or had dental work and then paid for it for the next six to nine months, which is you know practically everyone in America who doesn't make six figures, is going what? Uh, but the news said it was a terrorist hellscape. Um, my it is high. What? It 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 is. It is high. When I when I had to have a uh, root canal, an emergency root canal done, mm-hmm. probably about 10, 10, 11 years ago, maybe longer, fifteen years ago. Yeah, uh, I went to an emergency dental clinic and I didn't have any insurance, and it wound up costing me eighty bucks. Eighty bucks. When I was uh, when I was 19, 18, when I was eighteen, I passed a kidney stone. Right. We'll, we'll deviate. It's a little Superman adjacent, but this is a good story. When I was eighteen, I passed a kidney stone. I was broke and I would be booted out of college if I didn't have any money. So I had a kidney stone in the middle of the night and I started screaming and my and my um my roommates called the ambulance and the ambulance came and and even though I was in the worst pain of my life and a kidney stone is nothing nothing trifling. Um the the ambulance driver came in and I said, "How much is this going to cost?" And they said, "$400." <laughs> and I said, "I'll walk." And I started walking with a kidney stone to the hospital. And my friends caught me about a quarter mile down the road in their car. They threw me in the back, kind of screaming like the gunshot victim in a bad noir uh, uh, story. They take me to the hospital. They put a pick line in my arm. um, And they take me into a room after sitting for, I think it was four hours. It was four hours, right? They put me in the room. And then I lay on the bed in, in terrible agony and pass the kidney stone with absolutely no pain medications. Uh, and then the doctor comes in and goes, what's going on? I'm like, I passed it, I think. And he, uh, he looks at the kidney stone in my hand. Don't ask me how it got there. And, and, uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, that is definitely your kidney stone. Um, okay. And uh, so they did an ultrasound. <laughs> and uh, they sent me on my way. And uh, they charged me $1,700, of which I think 500 was the fee for sitting in the waiting room for four hours. Um, Holy cow. So yeah, it's a little better here. It's a it's a lot better here. All right, and now, Mr. Milo, here you are to be questioned by Julian Finn about this, the latest episode of Superman and Lois. Here is your headphones. My oh. man Milo. Hey Julian. How's it going, buddy? Good. How's your tooth? Better. I got good. a pull. Very good. It pulled. It didn't need any. He rings, but it did get 
it to this thing where if I suck or spit it in or eat near it, I would get it out of the blood socket. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Superman and Lois, episode 10. Oh, mother, where art thou? What did you think? Pretty good. I like the part was. where uh, uh, Superman disactivated himself, but also de- disactivated his brother's uh, uh, um, Morgan Edge. The other, the other Kryptonians? Yep, Morgan Edge. There was so much. There was so much cool stuff in this episode. Yep. We got a super fight, Superman versus like an army of Kryptonians. Yeah, at the very end of the episode. Yeah, it was great. What was your favorite part? My favoriteest part was the part where he lasers into that that little glass, and all the other guys help him laser into it. And then he transfers all his power out. Oh, into the egg when he was doing the solar flare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty smart. Like, he saw them flying towards them. They were all using their heat vision. And he was like, aha, I will turn the egg towards them and position myself so that they hit that instead of me. That was brilliant. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part, too. Was there anything you didn't like? Only part I didn't like was the part where... Er, um, um, uh, Sarah's as dad tried to choke Lois and and Sarah's mom. Yeah, but it wasn't really Sarah's dad, right? Like yeah. that was it was Kyle's body, but it was an evil Kryptonian riding the driving the car. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. That could be a little bit scary. So we've only got one episode left, I think. I think 11 is the last episode of the season. Do you think we're going to see John Henry Irons again this season, or is he not going to come back till next year? Maybe next year. You don't think we'll see him next episode? Nope. Oh, I do. I think he'll come back for the final fight with uh, Morgan Edge. Okay. I think so. You got any fan theories for me? Yep, my next theory of what will happen is, is, um, Sarah's dad will get released from that kryptonite prison. Yes. And he'll be better. Yeah, well, he doesn't have the Kryptonian in him anymore, so he probably doesn't have any powers, and hopefully he learns how to be a better dad, huh? Okay, cool. Well, we will see if your theories are correct next week. Was there anything in this episode that was confusing for you? Yes. The part where the military guy wasn't letting them in to see a Sarah's dad. Well, so the thing with when military takes over something is the security is very important to them. Like keeping the right people in and keeping the wrong people out is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So soldiers are given orders that only other soldiers or people that they've been shown pictures of that are allowed to come in get to come in. That's what was happening there. Okay. They weren't being mean. They just, they're not allowed to let people in. Okay. 
Okay, so we will see if you're right next week. We've got one episode left, and then we're going to start talking about some other TV shows for the summer. Yep. Bye, Julian. See you next Bye, week. Bye, Milo. Have a good night. I hope your mouth feels great tomorrow. See ya. <laughs> All right, so. <clears throat> before we go. Before we go, yes, there was one. There was one question that I missed. Oh, and I have a note of correction. But yes, what's the thing that you missed? Well, give me your correction first. Well, they're brief. So, what the boy was talking about was this wonderful thing called dry socket, which happens apparently when you uh, when you lose a tooth and you can actually, you know, get rid of the 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 protective covering, and it's apparently quite painful. So that's thing one. Uh, the other thing was I think I said that we paid I paid seventeen hundred dollars for an MRI. Uh, which would be actually incredibly reasonable. It was a ultrasound that I got with my kidney stone. Anyway, carry ah, on. Ah, Wait, okay. I just don't want to get okay. corrected because the difference between Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage got me a letter. So, Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> An MRI for $1,700, brother. <laughs> That's the land of milk and honey. Um, all right, what's your question? All right, so we get to see this flashback of Morgan Edge as a young child being <laughs> captured by uh, by British soldiers and taken and experimented on, and he and he's older than Clark, All right? Very visibly older than Clark. So nobody at this point knows about kryptonite. How'd that happen, Neil Bailey? How'd they capture a Kryptonian with powers? And hold on to him long enough to do experiments on him before he went right burn on them. Well, see, he was um, he was stuck in the woods and he got shot a couple of times with a shotgun. And uh, <laughs> he didn't know anything about human society. So what he did was he went to a uh, he went to a house and they just happened to be watching um, Mary Poppins. Right. <laughs> Mary Poppins. And, and he saw uh, Dick Van Dyke, the chimney sweep. Right. Um, and so he decided that's what I'm going to do. So he became a chimney sweep, right? So he, he wandered around in London, um, because it looks like if you look at the outfits in that scene, it looks like they're from the thirties. I don't know if that's necessarily modern British dress. It seems like long ago, like it looks like the Danny and the Ch Janny, the champion of the world outfits. Um, like they, yeah, they were out yeah. hunting pheasants and instead they found a Morgan edge or Talro, I guess. And anyway, so he's, he's clean, cleaning ch chimneys. And what happens is, um, you know, he gets he gets stuck in one of them. Um, and he's like, if I break out of this, I'm going to lose my job. Um, but if I uh, if I stay here, I'm sunk. Right. So he, he just stays and stays and gets skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And uh, what happens is uh, he eventually falls down the chimney, but he can't die because he's Kryptonian. You know, he, he doesn't have to eat. And he's 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 captured by this company, uh, this this kindly couple um, that uh, are, are capitalists, right? You know, they, they would have raised him right, but they're capitalists, and they see that there's like a uh, $10,000 reward for the, the child that was shot five months ago um, over in uh, Nottingham. And so... <laughs> And so, oh, no. so they, they, they put handcuffs on him and he's just weakened. He's just, he's too weak. Like he's, he could still, you know, like if he, if he shot fire from his eyes, he'd probably get rickets or, or, or scurvy. Is, isn't rickets like the one when you're malnourished or is that something That's else? That's scurvy. That's scurvy. That's scurvy. Right. Which one's rickets? Yeah. I don't know. It's funny because the name of the couple was rickets, you know, Martha and uh, Jonathan rickets, uh, just coincidentally. <laughs> so anyway, they take, they take edge, the weakened edge and they put him into this, um, into this cell 
and they take off Martha. the handcuffs. Yeah, right, yeah, he's screaming for Martha Ricketts uh, while he's dying of scurvy. And what what happens is he's um, he, he realizes that he can break the bars, but um, he's so hungry, he's so thirsty, that when the guard reaches through with a bottle, he just drinks it out of desperation. And it's nourishing because it's filled with sugar. Um, but it's actually a mixture of Fago and creme de menthe. <laughs> and, and what happens is... He develops this strong aversion to Fago and creme de menthe. Even though they haven't discovered Krypton, all they have to do is hold up anything green. Um, and he's just forced to stay where he is until he has this moment where he realizes, like, what, what happened was, actually. He was walking down that hall um, with those soldiers, and he realized that that is an utterly ridiculous premise for a life. Like, like he's like, Ricketts? They were named Ricketts, and he starts wondering if he's a real person or if it's always been a simulation in the in the Matrix, and he decides he has to go find out. So he lasers these guys, and he's essentially been holding himself in. That's the lesson, you know, like the journey along the way. He was held in by himself. And that's when he learned so, that so, in the okay, true Randian okay. sense, in the true Randian sense, yeah. only oh, well, only the individual um, can 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 survive. Be, be, so, before so, before we get into before we get hmm? into Ayn Rand, I'm just I'm gonna stop okay. you there. Oh, okay. And, and so the short the short answer is is there is no answer to that question. It was uh, just it, sloppy writing. No, the answer is Fago and Creme de Menthe, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. we've got one episode left, I think, this season, and then one. we're done. I don't know. You know, it says fifteen, but there's only one on the titles and air dates before they seem to have a rest planned. So it could be one, it could be five. I hope it's not five. I'm very tired. I don't see where else they go from here. Like, they yeah. buttoned up the John Henry Irons one halfway mm. through the season. They did have, you and... know, the crowd of Kryptonians up here, too. So it's like, you, you'd really have to lower the stakes for five episodes rather arbitrarily. But that is kind of what they do during Sweeps. Oh! I know what they're going to do. What are they going to do? Band together, they're going to band together and fight the mortgage scheme that Smallville is living under. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I swear to God, they would make they would make up for all of the things they've been doing so far if they just totally actually pulled back all of the stakes and started making it about character development and character problems. Like, like the thing is, like Sarah has finally figured out that she can't continue going on with these parents, and Lana has realized that hey, maybe abuse isn't cool. Maybe I'm damaging the kids because, like, like you know, I don't know what's the name of the kid spunky what's sarah's sister's name <laughs> punky punky brewster punky punky ricketts yeah punky ricketts is gonna yeah. like smack sarah and start imitating kyle and, 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 and like get drunk on creme de menthe and, and she's, lana's she's gonna go the last remaining Whoa. she's the She's the last remaining possessed Kryptonian holdout. That's I right. was shocked she didn't leap into the air too. All right, <laughs> yeah, Lana's, Lana's going to go like like we can't we can't continue to do this otherwise you know like I'll have to become yeah. Mara again. Yeah, I, I see you trying to end this episode. Thy story isn't finished, yeah, yeah. Julian. Fink. Go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you back here for another week or another episode of Ampersand and Sons in a week where we will get Ben's take on these. He's probably as critical as Neil, so he might have some additional questions to add. As always, it's been a blast. <laughs> and uh we will see you mid-june thank you smallville and good night the ampersand and sun podcast is not in any way sponsored or endorsed by creme de menthe or fago any endorsement is not actually an endorsement on the part of the superman homepage legally speaking and anyone who suggests otherwise is probably kryptonian oh hey 
there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter, because frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.